Hi guys, I'm André Villas Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 11, Episode 8. I'm Jack. I'm Chris. I'm ASD. And that game yesterday, could there have been a more predictable opening two and a half minutes to a game <laughs> of football that you will ever watch? I don't think that any Spurs fan on the planet expected it to be nil-nil after five minutes. That early goal was just, you knew it was going to happen, right? Um, I want to talk lots about um, about the game yesterday because that was one of the most enjoyable games that I've watched for what feels like a long, long time. And I know we weren't perfect and, you know, we still look a little bit shaky defensively. But I've seen in that game against Newcastle, the game against Villa, a bit more of like an identity from the team which has made me a lot more optimistic sort of for what's coming the rest of this season. Um, we'll sort of dive into the game in, in a lot of detail in a minute, but um, Undumbele, two oh, games brilliant. in a row for me now. Um, you know, I spoke about it the other week when I was at the Villa game and I was just sort of blown away by some of the stuff he did. I thought he was brilliant for the whole game. And again, yesterday, really, really good performance. Like, at, like dominating games of football, which is what you want from your £60 million midfielder, right? But... He played very, very well. And I just think that midfield three of Hoiberg, Skip and Undumbele looks like it's starting to gel and it's starting to have a bit more of a relationship and they're being a lot more effective, the three of them together. Hey, it's, but I, I, I think the thing that we've seen is that it's a 4-2-3-1 and he's not playing in that three. Like If you have a look at the way it was set up and the average positions, he is playing as a number 10 and he's great. But um, all, all, I mean, all the stats are amazing. 100% tackle success rate, 92.4% pass accuracy is up there in the best 66 passes, 11 duels won, nine touches in the opposition box, nine take-ons attempted, five ball recoveries. He's doing a brilliant midfielder's job. And you pointed out exactly, he's effective. He's effective. It's brilliant. And the way he took his goal as well was just, uh, it was just like, it was a FIFA goal. Do you know what I mean? Just inside of the box, bang, like back of the net. It was clinical. I, mean, I think he's got Gareth Bale thing where he, he's better off balance. You know, like yeah. then he can power it through by being off balance. But I tell you, it reminded me of Hoiberg's goal against Villa, where it was just smart. It was like, yeah. I can see the space and I'm going to stick the ball in there and I'm just a better footballer than you. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I thought it was a really good performance. I said the first sort of seven, eight minutes, we were all over, all over the place. Um, it just looked like we were a little bit overwhelmed by the atmosphere and the occasion, which is understandable um, because, you know, I watched the game on on telly and it did sound like an amazing atmosphere there. Um, so well, like that you... early goal was very frustrating, but like I said, very predictable. Have either of you two been to Newcastle? No. Yeah, many years ago. Yeah. I went. I went, but I was in the Gallagher end for. I was in the Newcastle end for a Newcastle versus Liverpool game, and that was brilliant. That was uh, one of those ones where an outfield player went in after two keepers went off. It was a long time ago, but that was great fun. 
yeah, yeah. It. and it um, is great and it's the heart of the city right it's when you get off the train station you can just see it on top of the hill what Shearer's bar um but it's it's good fun and they love their foot like do you know what i mean it's an extremely passionate fan base always has been always will be but that letting that early goal in at, i think at that point most was probably feared the worst right of like oh here we go um but i actually thought that we did a good job of just staying in the game and just keeping it a one nil like kill it for 10 minutes and this is where like i looked at hoybjerg and i looked at skip and i do want to talk about skip in more detail shortly because he is a brilliant player but the two of them just they completely just controlled the tempo of the game from the 10th minute to the 90th slowed it down add an extra touch played that killer pass forward when we needed to i think the two of them in in the heart of midfield were magnificent and the quality of all of our goals i thought were, were brilliant um we spoke about that in dembele one you know great build-up brilliant finish the the cane goal is just it, it's rid- ridiculous the audacity to just i'm just going to think the keeper and it like it looked so easy for him was just you know i thought that kane was not back to his complete best but it was a lot better from him yesterday um being involved in the game more linking play a lot more having opportunities and that's what that's been the thing for me that i've been a bit worried about watching the last five six games because he hasn't actually had that many chances um, whereas, you know, yesterday, like he was creating, he was scoring. I thought he played very, very well. And and really the, the third goal, magnificent football. Absolutely brilliant. One, two touch stuff. It was six or seven passes strung together. And it's like those goals, if you're a goalkeeper, they must be the most annoying goals to concede where it's just sort of like there is nothing you can do. It's just pass or pass, square it, some at the back post goal. Um, re- honestly, I just... I really enjoyed watching us yesterday for the first time for a long, long time. And it just gave me a little bit more hope and optimism that, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go on and achieve amazing things this season, but there seems now to be a bit more of an identity the last couple of games, which we've lacked for a long time watching Spurs. Um, but what did you what did you both make of the game? Are there any sort of standout moments, standout performers? Well, I've, I've got to just to respond to some of your points there. I think the first thing about conceding that goal my observation on that was just Sky Sports were beside themselves because they'd spent the whole build up advertising their documentary about Newcastle last time around when um, Sir John Hall bought them and, you know, under Kevin Keegan and all the rest of it. So the fact that that cross was whipped in like that and Callum Wilson scored like that, they were like, oh, it's just like Keith Gillespie to Alan Shear to mm. Les Ferdinand, wah, wah, wah. you know, so they got all excited about that. Um, but then I think you're right. I think the atmosphere, but that's only going to last for 10 minutes. So I think we then we then um, got into the game. And I think the fact that the formation we played, all the rest of it, etc. I think we suddenly like and it's, a you know, a settled team. You know, there's there's something in all of that. Um, I Kane's goal was brilliant. And the thing that sort of did it for me was that I'm like a really bad footballer like I'm, re- I'm a really bad footballer like whenever I played I played in central defense and I basically just got in people's way or just like knocked them over as they tried to run towards me and stuff like that you know um you know I'd always like to think I had an extra yard in my head and all that kind of stuff um and that's really hard what he did it, and it made it look easy so there's something about that it's like oh he scores easy no that was a really that was really hard so I, I enjoyed that um I liked Romero I loved Romero I just like the fact that he got like irritated a couple of times and like leathered the ball into space practically which I thought was great I thought Sonny had a brilliant game 
you know, and not just the finish on that on his goal, but I just thought he was he was like popping up in different places, creating things. So I think there's something about what that front looks like. I thought Lucas was given how Bergwijn started the season, I think I'd rather see Bergwijn in that position than Lucas, but he's injured. So I thought Lucas did all right. I thought his header was excellent. I thought he had a couple of really wayward shots and did the usual thing of like not really knowing what to do with the final ball. Um, I would want to salute and give special mention to um, Reggie and Eric Dyer. I think particularly because like they were shouting, like Reggie was shouting and trying to go over there and then Dyer literally like ran to the bench and said, come on. And there was something about it really felt like it was like, what are the protocols? And it was just like, fuck the protocols, excuse my language. Someone's like hurt or someone's yeah. unwell. So and the, and the players did that. Nobody else. And I think, you know, that's got to be um, that's got to be applauded. I spent all yesterday. I'm not in case not that anyone's interested, but yesterday was supposed to be my day with Tabitha, my partner. And we were like, let's have a day together because we I spent went and saw my mum on Saturday. It's been a really busy week. And Sunday was our day together until I watched the football. Mm-hmm. Then, of course. You know, like literally, I mean, you know, this is my personal life is being affected by this, folks. You know, the Saudi government took over an English football club. So at that moment, you know, and I get it. And I know there are nefarious owners in football and there's a lot of whataboutery. You know, you still watch Netflix and they've invested in Netflix. Yeah. But, you know, we talk about football clubs being important cultural institutions and things that we care about. And it was heartbreaking to watch um newcastle fans waving saudi flags and wearing tea towels on their heads apart from the fact that from a tea towel perspective it's a little bit racist um you know i don't know if either of you saw adam crafton's piece in the athletic Mm. so adam crafton wrote a brilliant piece in the athletic having spoken to dozens as he put it of lgbtq plus saudis and there's like a lot of sort of detail about what this looked like for them and you know he said I was embarrassed to try and talk to them and say to you know as they're talking about their lives being in danger on a daily basis or the fact that they can't have a personal life or the fact that they've got PTSD from the conversion therapy or anything else he was trying to say oh yeah but it's you know the Newcastle fans have had it really hard under Mike Ashley for the last 14 years mm. imagine trying to juxtapose that to that and they see and they can see all those um all those images and stuff and so but I also get that you know a lot of ownership in football isn't perfect you know there is all sorts of things that we can pick on individual owners pro- including our own I'm sure of of, of difficulty but it's not a um, nation state is not a regime and I get it's complicated because as a country we've got um, you know strategic defense is a strategic defense ally we sell them the arms that, that you know to bomb Yemen it's complicated but then but it's I, also not right it's also yeah, not complicated yeah and, but then I thought but then we thought I should say we because it was a joint decision from Proud Lily White's perspective that actually there are really human stories here and if we can make a difference as LGBTQ plus football fans for our Saudi siblings then why wouldn't we try Mm. so I'm just going to give me one minute to tell you a little bit about a young man called Sahail Al-Jamil so Sahail is 25 year old and he's like a an influencer. He's got 100,000 followers on Twitter um, and he's got a YouTube following and stuff. Um, 
apparently he studied in California in the States, but he's now reported to be in two years into a prison sentence because he posted a shirtless picture of himself on Twitter. Right. And it's a shirtless picture where he's wearing like leopard print, either like hot pants or or um, swimming trunks or whatever. And um, he was first arrested in 2018, but released on good behaviour. And I think the first arrest, what he was, um, he was, um, his family sort of gave him up, if you like. Um, and he managed to, he was released and he left the country. But um, he was sort of lured back to Saudi Arabia amid claims that his mum was, was unwell. Um, and he was arrested in October 2019 for cyber crimes homosexuality imitating a woman because he's quite a feminine guy disobedience and public indecency and he's also alleged to have received 800 lashes and is in a political prison which is worse than a normal one and he's like a a beacon of kind of hope um well not hope but he was a beacon for a lot of lgbtq plus saudis because he was open and and talked about you know, like he was taught, you know, one of Adam's quotes, one of people's quotes said he's our Lady Gaga. So, um, you know, and he called them out. He also called out the Saudi regime on their hypocrisy because actually they caught. They're happy to have LGBTQ plus tourists. And they actually apparently um, reached out to. So, sorry for my use of the word, term reached out um, to a human rights organization called Outright Action International in the States to request resources to inform officials the best way to entertain high profile LGBTQ plus visitors working in the entertainment space, because obviously they're trying to have, you know, whether it's music or other kind of cultural events where you might have LGBTQ plus visitors. Now, Outright didn't de decline to comment when Adam asked them. And the athletic asked them um, and they were unable to confirm or deny that this request had come through. And so there's a lot of hypocrisy there. And in the meantime, Sahail is in prison. So what we did on Saturday was we had a few members up there who were like, right, we're up for something. And so literally Russell's outside the Gallagate end. Um, it's on our social media at Spurs LGBT with a little video explaining about Sahail much more succinctly than I just have, that he's in prison for that stuff. Um, and that actually we want to, you know, shine a light on this story and, and shine a light on that these are the owners of this new football club. Uh, sorry, these are the new owners of the football club. Um, and we took a couple of pictures as well. And actually the videos had like 70,000 views. Um, the biggest pickup was from a, actually there's a, a, a Brazilian journalist, I think, who picked it up and there's like a Portuguese speaking stuff um, um, podcast that's talking about it so it's got a little bit of traction mm. there and what I'm hoping is that Newcastle play Palace next week so I hope that Palace will pick up that mantle and then they play Chelsea the week after and I don't know Chelsea have got their own problems but it doesn't mean that you can't then say we don't we don't you know we don't think this is right and actually free to heil because I think regardless even if it was the owner of your football club or of my football of our football club I still think that we should be able to say that to them. And I'm hoping it's a campaign that all football fans could get behind, regardless of which team they support. And that's including Newcastle. And actually, we had some a lot, quite a lot of support from Newcastle fans yesterday. Um, you know, lots of stuff on Twitter where lots of water battery on Twitter and other things like saying it's not the it's not the Saudi government. We know it is, etc. So that was how my day was taken up yesterday. I didn't get a day with Tab.
I'm trying to reschedule. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, that was that was another backdrop for me. And I was a bit disappointed at the um, Sky coverage. Uh, they didn't talk about it at all. But, of course, then you had Jamie Redknapp saying fans don't care who owns their clubs. And I think that is insulting to fans because yeah. fans do care who own their clubs. And I think his mate's part of the uh, has got a small stake in it, which is probably why he's happy to say that fans don't care. But we do. So I know that was a bit of a a bit of a long rant, but you know I think Sahil's I think Sahil's worth it. And uh, yeah, check out the hashtag Free Sahil on social media, and uh, please do amplify it because hopefully that'll be something that we can get some traction behind this season. For sure, for sure, and all of that work, you know, the the, the stuff that proud lily whites do is it's all incredible and like i don't ever have to apologize chris for for going on those ramps as you call them they're not ramps <laughs> at all like honestly i could listen to you all day talking about that stuff i think it's like it's amazing it's amazing work that's being done um and i hope that more people do get behind it because it's um yeah it's brilliant what you're all doing um and jamie redknapp i can't wait until sky get rid of him like honestly like how is he still there it's only because he looks nice, I'm sure. I mean I, I mean, I don't fancy him, but do you know what I mean? Like, he does look a bit nicer than a lot of them. The thing I will say is, saying come on you Spurs yesterday was, I don't think I ever, I've ever quite meant it as much. And I loved, I, I loved it. To use a, to use a new, some Newcastle vernacular, I loved it that we mm-hmm. beat them. I loved it. And Steve, what did you make of yesterday? Oh, one last point, actually. The thing I told you before we came on was, we were so good in that second half and we dominated so much. It was the one of the most one-sided games of football I've ever seen. So how we ended up losing that losing in inverted calf, in, in commas, that half one nil, I could never tell you. Yeah, that, that was weird, wasn't it? That dire. It just came. It's one of those corners where it, it comes to them too quickly, doesn't it? And they can't really work it out. I remember, was it Dawson did something similar where he went, he went really low to header a ball and it went to, I think it was against Liverpool years ago. It was just a really, it, it reminded me of that. I, I can't remember, but it, it was it was unfortunate for him. It surprised me that no one really went over to him and said, like, get your head on. It's all right. Don't worry about it. 3-2. We, we, we're dominating this. I think Hoiberg pulled him up, but I'd have expected more. Um, I think because Dyer's the one that normally does that stuff. Yeah. You know what I, I mean, it's like, he's, the, he's one of the real, love him or hate him as a player, like, we all know he's not a world-class centre half, right? But we can't we can't have a world-class player in every single position. But like he brings something to the team mm. that a lot of players of the same ability level with him haven't got. And it's mm. like you saw that yesterday with the fan collapsing. We've seen it multiple times. Him, do you know what I mean? I know it wasn't the right thing to do at the time, but that time he jumped into the crowd in the home game, and so he's sort of like he he does more than just what he, what's happening on the pitch. And it's like I think that you need good people like that at your football club um and for me that he's not the best centre half in the world but he brings something to the side i'd really like him to get like a legendary north london derby goal or goal, just so he could be remembered more because i'm he'll he'll be sold in two seasons to someone to ever you know and he won't be remembered for how useful and how important he has been for spurs throughout this period because he, he's been there for us you know for a long 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 time uh, you know, Newcastle aren't a very good team. Let's not forget, they're a very, very poor team. So th- this was always to be expected. But it was it was good. It was it was balance, identity in the middle, which we've been crying out for. Kane getting back on. It was just it was just good. Let's let's go on to Skip because oh, you love him. I it's a player. I've got. I'm a bit like, well, is he just doing 
if we just rolled three on a dice, is he just doing exactly what we expect of him? Is he just like on the one hand, is he doing an amazing job? I don't think he is. I think he's doing a very good. He's doing a decent job. And I think we've got high expectations of him because he had such a good season last week. But he's only in his first season, so he can do very well. But I don't know why he's playing. Bear with me, because Hoiberg, he's there to do exactly the same job as Hoiberg. Right. You, don't, you disagree? And no, not at all. While you're shaking your head, I've I've looked up. I've been on whoscored.com comparing Skip to Ndidi, Matic, Rice, uh, Hoiberg, Kante and Fabinho. That's at elite level, right? Especially Kante. Who, and if he doesn't win Ballon d'Or this year, apart from maybe Lewandowski or Haaland, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but Hoiberg just beats Skip on every single metric, defensive, offensive and passing. I I, I, I just think Hoiberg... It's, it's I'm not having a go at Skip. I just want to calm it down a bit because... We'll kill it. It's a bit. I don't want to do what we did to Winks. You know, Winks. We had these these huge expectations. It's going to be the next Modric or something. And Skip's doing all right, but I don't think he's amazing. God, Jack. Some people are calling him the Hertfordshire Busquets, aren't they? Already. He's from. He's um, a good Welling Garden City know, boy. Um, um, I think he is such a brilliant footballer. And you can look at all of the stats and it would probably, if you were to just look at the numbers, you would say, oh, yeah, he looks all right. But it's like what he brings to our side is it's not the numbers. And it's like he at the moment, he's not in a role where he's going to be getting goals. He's going to be getting assists. He's going to be assisting the assist or anything like that. He brings something that you can't measure, which is control to a team. And like there are no stats that measure that, that measure that at all. When he's not been in the side this season, we have looked so frantic in the middle of the park. And I find it amazing that, what is he, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, that at that age, he has got the composure and the maturity in the middle of the park to know when to put your foot on the ball, when to go to your fullback, when to play that ball into Undenbele or Kane. His decision-making is absolutely incredible. Like He always makes the right pass. And it's like, sometimes the right pass is a 10-yard ball into Hoiberg and then he'll go and receive the ball back again. And people watch that and think, what's the point of that? But it's control. And like, watch the first 15 minutes that Newcastle game back at the weekend and he's the one that's putting his foot on the ball in midfield and slowing it down and keeping us in the game. And like, there are there is no data and no metrics to back that type of stuff up, but he's got shades of Michael Carrick about him in the way that he controls the game from deep. And honestly, like at 20 to be doing what he's doing is unbelievable and like the other aspects of his game are only going to get better like the, the goals and the assists and all of that stuff he might never be that player but there's no reason why he couldn't be and it's like but at the minute what he's being asked to do is a simple role but you need to be able to do it effectively and if you take that kind of player out the team we saw it at Arsenal you take that kind of player out the team and it, it has such an impact on the rest of them I would say that there are certain players that like individually, they're not amazing. And I, I feel like Skip's one of them. Like he, There isn't anything where I watch him and I think that is absolutely incredible what you're doing there. And there's a case to be like, surely there's other players that could do those things. And I, I get that point, but no one else has been able to do it. And it's like, you know, we spent all this money on Lo Celso. Winks has been there. But, but like for me, Skip is just sort of a combination of the two of them. I think we've got such a great player there. And the last thing for me on him is... He's always an option. 
And it's like that might sound like a really simple thing to say for a central midfielder, that he never, ever shies away from the ball. And he'll take the ball in really difficult situations. He's progressive with his passing. Like, honestly, I just I, I love watching him play because he knows what he can do. And that's another maturity thing. It's like sometimes you watch young players come into teams and they're trying to do sort of the 60-yard switch to play that looks great on telly or dribble past two or three. He knows he can't do it. So he's like, well, I'm just going to do what I'm good at. And it's just maximising what you're able to do on the pitch. And I think this season he's been one of our most important players. And it's like, what does that say about, yeah. you know, how the season's been so far, even though we are fifth? But honestly, I just think he brings so much balance to our team that without him there, like, I just don't think that Undembele has the freedom. Sunder, like, I just think he's just the one that brings it all together at the minute. Okay. ASD, do you think Jack likes Oliver Skip? I think, yeah, I think there's a little thing that he he makes good choices or something. I don't know. I'm just gonna edit that out. There's no way that's going. <laughs> there's no way that's going out. So, I just, I, I, like, I, I hear just, you. I, I hear you. Me. And I think, I think the thing for me is, is that I I like a player that you don't notice, and I think there's something yeah, yeah. in that. And actually, I, the one, the person that, I, I, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but he feels a bit Carrick-esque to me, precisely because also he can put his foot on the ball and he can like knock a crossfield pass and make it, rather than because he's not just a clogger. Um, but I like him with Hoybier because I think there's something. I mean, Hoybier a bit more box office, right? A little bit, but, yeah. You know, and I, but you know, and and, and and I like him, and I like him for that, and I like him for you know, I didn't realise his stats were better, um, and you know, it's like there's something about you know the fact that he's young and he's one of our own and all that kind of stuff. I guess the thing there is is that we don't put so much pressure on him that you end up with like some kind of you know that we just let him get on with it, let his let his football do the talking and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and it's also Chris that like inevitably with a 20 year old when he has a seven or eight bad games we understand that and it's like there'll be points this season where he needs to be taken out the team then brought back it like that's gonna like he's playing brilliant at the moment he will have games where he gets run all over and he looks way out of course he will and it's like it's in those moments that we've got to be calm and be like we've got a really really good player here like have a bit of patience with him and it's like and that will happen we saw, and that's what we saw with Winks wasn't it and I know that I mean, Winks has probably not gone on to be the player that a lot of us thought maybe he could but you saw that like he'd have a bad run and people just write him off and then it's sort of like as soon as then he come back into the team people were very anti-Winks um, so it's just about he just needs to be managed correctly um, and hopefully Nuno is somebody that sort of understands that he had a lot of young players in his his team at Wolves, didn't he? So I, I, I don't see any reason why he, he won't know that that's coming. But just as a fan base, it's like when that moment does come, like everyone just be calm and remember he's a 20 year old and he's not even played a dozen Premier League games yet. So like when he does have his bad run, it's OK. Yeah, I think we're, we're sort of arriving at the same point. I'm saying he's doing a good job. I mean, passing and choosing the pass is his job. That's rolling that's rolling a three on a dice, you know. I think he's doing it, and I'm being flippant again. He, he, I know he's doing a good job of it, and yeah, just don't don't go mental on him. Just just let's keep on cu- encouraging him and looking forward to see where he's he's coming from the next. That's all. Yeah, um, but there was a great um, heat, uh, not a heat map, like direction map of his passing against Newcastle that I put on um, on Twitter at underscore Echoes of Glory because there's been a lot of people as well that have been saying Chris, you sort of saying he's not just a clogger, and a lot of people saying, oh, we just 
you know, he just keeps the ball, he goes backwards all the time. Have a look at, you know, the Newcastle game. And like, for me, that was just, you know, he's done that in every game this season. It's like, he's a really, really good progressive passer with a 10, 15 yard pass. They're all forwards. really, really good at it. They're all forwards. And it was brilliant to see that. And they were all from different areas, two different areas. It was, it was, it was like a cross stitch. It was really good. Yeah. And it must be a dream for him to have Hoybjerg. Like, do you know what I mean? Man, being him, and it's like I've got Hoybjerg, like a a seasoned pro in the Premier League. Like, do you know what I mean? He's captain Premier League, so he's captained his country. Like, what an amazing player to be learning from. Well, Hoiberg's only been like Hoiberg is young, right? Hoiberg's really young. He's only twenty six. That's a baby. He's only been in the Premier League. Well, he, no, he's four. I didn't realise he was four years in the Premier League with Southampton. That's a long time. All right, ignore me. Because he's uh, quite young, isn't he, Hoiberg? Still really six. Yeah. He's born Copenhagen. Um, a new feature time, which fits in quite nicely here. So we get emails from a lot of celebrities. So I'm doing a celebrity <laughs> mailbag, and so I'm so get, time consuming going through them every week, isn't it? It's a <laughs> lot. So I choose one a week, right? Uh, so this week's celebrity mailbag is from. It's actually from Ayatollah Saeed Hamidul Hassan from India, right? He says, first of all, well done, peeps. Keep up the good work on the pod. He said he was over in London. He was having early dinner at the Indian YMCA, which is just off Charlotte Street. And he listened to the game on his Walkman. And his question to us was, is this the worst kit in recent history? And I think he's got a good point because I can't think of a worse kit. Um, it's a good point. The thing is with the kits is like when you see them on, they don't look anywhere near as bad, I don't think. And it's like when they got released, I was like, oh, and like the away one, I hated it to start with. Now I really like it. And then the, even the, the the third one, I don't think it look, I don't think it looks that bad. It's not a Spurs kit, right? But I think that they're moving away from all of that stuff because you know you, you go to the games, the amount of kids that are wearing the away kit and the third kit is like it's it's amazing how many people are wearing them. Um, personally. The worst kits that I, that I think we've ever had were those Thompson Kappa ones, Kappa the ones. super stretch, the stretch Armstrong material. They Mingo. were just, they were horrible though. Like, I don't know how the players played in them. And it's like, you needed an XXL. Like, sold that, out like, those, didn't they? like an XXL was like Aaron Lennon. Do you know what I mean? Would need one Come of on. them. Like so it was mad, the sizings. Wales had them. I was about to say, they remind me of Simon Davis, those tops. Simon Davis. I've still got two, which I've had since uni, so a long time ago, and they don't stink. I've used them for the gym. I literally drench them in sweat regularly, and they, they've, they've never stunk, and they look brand new. They're incredible. I mean, they, they're awful for the planet, probably. But the whole point of them was so you could see when the shirt was being pulled, right? That was the point of the stretchy material so for the referee. But they're not bad. They weren't bad kits. Like the blue and yellow one with Thompson, that was fine. Like, have, I don't you think... tried, have you ever tried to get out of one? Well, yeah, many times. Getting the kit on's fine. I've still got mine on underneath. It just has to stay on permanently. It's, it it, it, it is like being water... Like, if it's sweaty, it's like being waterboarded because you can't can't breathe at all. But, like, the, the bad ones... The the home kit with the seatbelt on it, that was pretty bad. But that this one is like... It's like they, they went to an A-level college and they just went, give us your C-minus grade students, got them in a room and... Di- Got them got, to design got a them kit. Drunk, got them drunk. Got them drunk. Got them design a kit, and then went and bought the fakes of them off Alibaba. That's how bad I think this kit. I really dislike this kit. It's got nothing to do with Tottenham. I don't. I, I, I agree with those points. Is they're not they're not Tottenham kits, but it's sort of like I can understand why they're they're changing it. I think we all hope for just like a plain white one at home, 
a blue one as the away and a yellow one as the third kit. But I, you know, we're not. I just don't, I feel like we're never going to see it. I've got a slightly it. different view on this. Oh really? Yeah. Best kit ever. Well, no, not the best kit ever, but right. So I'm sorry. I apologise to anybody that I'm insulting with this, but I think football kits are a weird thing for adults to wear, right? As a leisure item i understand if you have a football kit because you play football and so you go and play your five aside in your spurs top i totally get that however people do wear them as leisure items and so therefore like particularly the away kit the blue one that looks like a top well i mean whether you like the top or not it looks like a nice top as opposed to what a football kit looks like and if you look at those blue ones I'm Which sure they're getting ones? more in for Christmas. Sorry? Which blue one? The, sp- the, the sparkly one. Yeah, the away one. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll get in more for Christmas, but they're totally sold out in every size apart from yeah. extra small. And now I've never tried to buy, you know, but I, I just had a look because I just thought well, that's interesting. And they are, you cannot get them online. So they've obviously done something right. So I completely appreciate um what, you know, the question in the mailbag. But it seems to be very popular, particularly that the away one. Now, the third kit, you know, they did that whole thing of, you know, this is London or whatever it was, L- yeah. LDN 20, yeah. whatever it was. Um, I mean, it was a nice campaign and I liked everyone that was in it. But uh, that, you know, Wait, were you in that one? That, that green one. I did like that green one that had a um, that had like a map oh. of Harringay on it. Yeah, that was brilliant. The IX one. Yes. That was yes. brilliant. But I feel like that kit is a bit of an iconic kit now because of what, do you know what I mean, because of the yeah. season. But, like, I like that. I like that, you know, you just associate certain kits with players. And for me, that, that green kit will always be Lucas Moura, wouldn't it? It's Lucas Moura and Lorente. They're the yeah, two yeah, players yeah. that I think of in that kit now. And it's like, it's funny when you think back, well, isn't it? Rose that? drinking a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was brilliant, wasn't it? That was absolutely brilliant. Um, but that's a good question. I like always. I like a good kit discussion. I feel like we need Stato for that one as well. Yeah, He'd probably yeah. be listening, screaming into his into well, his phone. What's his view usually on those sorts of things? Then he's a traditionalist. He's a purist. He's a purist. Yeah. So it has to be, you know, for Europe, white shorts, white socks, which I think we'll always have. But you know, he's 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 a, he's a purist, and he'll know everything about every shirt as well. We once did a quiz with him, um, Chris, and and ASD had this amazing, um, like cards like box of cards and it all Tottenham qu- trivia questions I think you found in like a charity shop for like 50p and we, we've gone through there must have been like 50 60 of these cards and like, he'd get every single question right without fail and there was one week we got a question wrong and we were celebrating like we'd won the world cup when we were going mad and um because he finally got one wrong and then he was like the card's wrong and we were like no it's not like just accept it you've got a question wrong and he was like the card's wrong research it so we went on to google the card was wrong amazing absolutely amazing moment all right well more celebrity quizzes next oh no i'm in wales next week so i might not be i'm not not be on next week maybe i'll see if i can dial in what is it half term yeah the fourth i'll be in the west coast we've got two games to talk about this week um the thursday cup which everybody was super excited for um 5.45 5.45 kickoff on Thursday, um, that one. Look, we won't spend too much time talking about this because we expect to see the Spurs B team, right, willed out for that one. Um, avoid defeat, get out of a draw, hopefully win and move on to the next game there. Um, 
as did your favourite fixture at the weekend because we've got West Ham. I hate this. I hate them. I hate this. I hate everything about this game. Like, I really hate this game. It's just, it, we're expected to win. So if we win, it's a good thing. If we draw or lose, it's, it's embarrassing. They are performing at the peak of their powers. And I, I don't mean that they're really good. I just mean they're the best of an all right bunch. But they're going to score against us. They'll love it. I, I hate it. But we should win. They're not very good. I think, do you think we'll we win. will win. Do you think we'll yeah. go there and win? Do you? Yeah, I do. I do. What do you think, Chris? Well, I mean, I've been I've been to a few away games there over the years. I was behind a goal when Sergei Rebrov scored an absolute. I think it was an F, a, a cup game. Um, I remember the the Stolteri. You oh, know, that, were you there for know, that? Which was. Which is one of the. I can't remember if I was or not. You know. Can we, can we, we might. We should say though that Berlin was a horrible ground to get to and get back from because it was a very short street, wasn't it? Um, from the ground to the train station, you had to queue outside on the train station. And I remember leaving the, the Berlin for the last game of the season, and like the police with guns and dogs. That it was just a horrendous. It's a horrible atmosphere that place. But they're not there anymore. No, but, you know. <laughs> The other thing that uh, for me getting back from there was that you had to walk. They sent you right the way around the ground. So you That's didn't it. have to find any West Ham fans. And you had to walk down a really horrible alleyway that reminded yeah. me of every football, every football film about hooligans I've ever yeah. seen. That was the alleyway that they caught you in was yeah. basically around the back of the of um, Upton Park. So. Um, but, you know, the one time that I've. um reported anti-semitism was at west ham because we went three nil up and they you know like I w- yeah. we were based on the seg line and like the particularly one man like lost his mind but that thing i think that game we won three two so it was terrifying then there was that Mourinho game where we bottled it and so I, I don't know it's like in recent times i'd love to you know i'd love to see what what the scores have been like in recent times asd i don't know if you're there in front of it now able to look but I kind of feel like we haven't made best show of ourselves against yeah. West Ham in recent times. And I don't. Um, but, you know, Harry's got his scoring boots on again, you would hope. So precisely because they're supposed, you know, they're supposedly in about the same place as us. Maybe we'll just go out there and trounce them. Well, I feel oh. like and maybe maybe I've just got this wrong, but I feel like we've got an all right record at the olympic stadium i feel like well, we've we've got a few quite a few wins there well, it feels like that anyway and it's like i feel like it's a not an it's not an easy game but i feel more confident mm-hmm. going to their place than when they come to ours so like, i feel like when they come to ours they put 11 men behind the ball they're super defensive try and play on the break well there'll be a bit more pressure on them i think at the weekend to actually come out and open up and outplay us and that might play into some of our creative players hands a little yeah. bit yeah. Yeah, I mean, three three. Before that, we won two nil. Suchek own goal and Kane, and then beat them away three two. The in 2019, and they only scored in the 95th minute, and then lost one nil. No, we, we we've done pretty well against them, but yeah, I'd I'd, I'd love to smash them. I it's really always a them. tough game, though. It's like, do you know what I mean? It, it always is, and it always will be. And look, I think it will be a, a a relatively tight game again. To be honest, it'll probably be won by the odd goal, a two-one, something like that. I just think that hopefully when we come under pressure, because they will put us under pressure with balls in the box, they're direct with Antonio and Suchek and set pieces. Is you know they're they're dangerous from that. I just hope that when we 
do get put under a bit of pressure at the weekend that we we're able to stand up to it. Um, what's your, your favourite game against goal? Against, sorry, I interrupted. But what's your favourite goal against West Ham? Ignoring the bell one on my birthday. Um, I absolutely loved Kyle Walker in a four-one home win where he bent it in the top corner <laughs> yeah. outside of the right foot. Outside the right foot. Audacious goal. Yeah. And like it was just like that went in, obviously we went mad celebrating it, and it was like we were just like laughing at them. That and was that it. was that yeah. was so much fun. And I also remembered um Defoe in the I think it was in the A V B years, we're on three nil. Twenty twelve, three one. Was it three one? He picked the ball up on the halfway line. It's the most unlike Defoe goal you'll ever see. Picked the ball up on the halfway line, back to goal, dribbled past three or four, got into the box and then drilled it bottom corner and celebrated in front of him. Like that was a that was That's amazing. Goal that well. goal, I brought Mrs. SD to. It was our first and last London derby, and she bought um, raspberries from the Sainsbury's just before you get to Tottenham, uh, just before you get to the ground, uh, because she was hungry. She's like that, and so she was sat there with the raspberries. Defoe scored. We were sat right next to the away fans, like horribly close, and all of the fans in the south upper ran over to give it to the West Ham fans, and so she was just cowering. And when she when she came up, raspberries were everywhere and she had pie in her hair from the spittle of angry men. I live for that stuff. That was I love that stuff. She never came to a London derby again. I understand why that's not great. And I, um, does she that, still does she still eat raspberries or is oh, it too yeah, scarred? Oh yeah, and the kids now. But that that's my favourite goal. I think there was the next one was Bale and then Defoe again, wasn't it in that game? I think. Because Bale, Defoe, any Defoe goal against West Ham was always extra special, wasn't it? Just yeah. because you could see that you know it meant a little bit more to him as well. Yeah, because they used to really sing horrible songs about him. Chris, what about you? What's your favourite? I um, I saw Jermaine Defoe once at Blue Water, just to let you know when he was on loan. You know when he went he went on a load of loans from West Ham, I think, and he yeah. did a goal scoring one run where he would scored in every single place on his debut. And yeah. he scored like 10 plays and he just scored the 10th one. So he was quite young. And I don't know what he was like waiting for someone outside the toilets at Blue Water. It just looked like like this because he was young at the time. And I just walked past him and went, all right, Jermaine. And he went, all right. And I <laughs> love that. It was just like a normal, like I've known him from like, I don't know, like from school or something. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, ASD, is your birthday on Boxing Day? No, February 25th. It was the one... With the, Would the uh, Gareth Bale score against West Ham on Boxing Day or was that Aston Villa? I've got claret and blue in my mind. He scored um he scored a brilliant breakaway goal at Aston Villa on Boxing Day years ago. Van der Vaart set him up. We were down to ten men and it was at Villa. Well, maybe that's we, what I'm thinking of yeah, then. I was at that game actually. It was a it's a clinical counter attack. Yeah, uh, so maybe- yeah, yeah. Sorry, I remember that one. Yeah, Sorry. maybe if it wasn't that then um I would probably go with just with the still Terry one, just for the larks. Well, Eric Dyer won up there as well. Oh. Oh, yes. tell you what, that was the one. That was the one on the opening day of the season, wasn't yeah. it? I think we talked yeah. about that one before because that was Monica's last game, last away game. And yeah. we were right there and they celebrated right in front of us. And it was his first, you know, for the, and he was playing right back that day, if I remember correctly. So what the right what the right back was doing in the centre forward position, I can never tell you. Like overlapping the left winger in yeah. injury time. We we're down to 10 men. And you're like, what are you doing? It's like if he hadn't have scored, he'd have probably been subbed, wouldn't he? It was yeah. like... It reminds me very much of, I remember um, a friend of mine talks about her very first game for Hackney Women, right? And she'd never played football before, but she played hockey. And so um, 
she was like, you know, she was pretty fit and stuff and she thought she'd try football and she was actually playing a mat, a competitive match. And the centre half said to her, because she was playing at right back, look, whatever you do, just make sure you're just slightly in front of me so they could just make sure that they played their option. She said, first things first, because this centre half was a bit wayward. She said, she was up front. And so there was I, I was back practically off the pitch because I was trying to stay in front of her. So, yeah, maybe that's what Eric, maybe to the centre half, whoever it was that day, said to Eric Dyer, just stay in front of me. It could have, you know what, it could have been Kabul or Kirikes, couldn't it? Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. With direction like that, it really could have been. Yeah. Um, you, Asda, you got a quiz for us? Well, yeah, I mentioned it last week. Uh, <laughs> and what you I've done... very enthusiastic. I, I, this is how I do. Uh, where <laughs> I've got the uh, FUT scores from FIFA for players. Yes, oh, of yeah. course. Uh, I'm not going to do Kane and Son because they're too obvious. So I'll... I'll give you some stats it, I've, I've been wondering how you do this brilliantly on an audio format and there's no way apart from me just reading numbers at you so it's going to be uh it might this might not work so i'm going so i've got all the team here and i'm going to give you overall uh, apologies in advance to everyone that's listening but it could be brilliant it could be brilliant could be awful this <laughs> is how switched i switched off now so. <laughs> yeah we just talk uh overall this player is a 75 so I'm doing it that way, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, other way. Uh, and I then play your cards right. Ah, uh, no, no. I'm going to give you the numbers. You have to guess who it is. So right. the pace is a 62, so not that quick. Uh, shot 46. Poor. Uh, pass is a 67. Dribble is a 67. Defense 71. Physicality 70. So, you know. Um. Give you one I guess each. Take, uh, I'd take a gamble and say that is potentially potentially Joe Roden. I think it's Ben Davis. It is Skip. Oh. Yeah. Skip is it? That's yeah. harsh. Well. That's incredibly. Well, we don't, we... don't know him yet, do we? Really? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, right then. So overall, eighty-one. So in our better players, uh, pace ninety. Shot 79, yeah. pass 70, dribble 86, defence 43, physicality 68. Chris, I'm going to you first. You can have the same player. Chris, are you going? Um, I think, I reckon that's, it's probably Lucas, but I'm going to say Bergvine. Jack, are you going? I would have gone, I'd have gone Lucas. It's just absolutely rapid. Rapid pace. So that's one point to Jack, I'm afraid. Uh, why I, I just didn't want to say it because I don't want him to be that good. That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> right then. Overall, 81. So same as Mora. Pace, 86. Not quite as quick. Shot, 58. Pass, 75. So dribble, 78. Defence, 78. Physicality, 70. Hmm. Jack, I feel I feel like this one's probably Bergwijn. Okay, Bergwijn. I d- I was going to say Bergwijn, and then it was like defense seventy eight. Mm. Shot fifty eight. Is it? Um, is it Romero? No, it's Reggie. Pace, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, pace. Yeah, so I always just sort of, whenever it's players are that quick, I just sort of discount it being a defender. Yeah. Uh, right then, who are we going to go now? All right then, here we go. Overall, 73. So he's actually our third lowest uh, ranked player. 
pace 76 shot 35 he's our poorest shooter apart from one other pass 60 dribble 64 defense 73 physicality 74 i think this is a bit harsh to be fair so i mean it has to be a defender that's quite quick and quite physical is it tanganga so tanganga from jack chris yeah, I was going to say Ben Davis, but actually it probably is Tanganga. It is indeed. It is yeah. indeed. All right, we'll do... It's harsh, isn't it? All right, we'll do three more. So uh, we've got overall 80, pace 81, shot 63, pass 72, dribble 74, defence 76, physicality 79. Hoy Hoy Ndumbele? Emerson. Oh. Emerson Pace, 81. It's a decent. Um, right, two I don't more. Think, well, I don't think we quite understand him yet, because when we were watching yesterday, Tab happened to be in the room, and I don't know what he did, and she was like, do you like him? And I was like, do you know what? I don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jury's still I'll, out, isn't it? I'll tell you what it was. It was when he went down. He really went down as if he'd been properly injured, and it was yeah. just like... And you can usually tell from, you know, you know in our players who it is that goes down for the hell of it yeah. and who goes down because they're actually hurt. Yeah. And I couldn't answer it when she asked me if he was actually hurt or not. And usually I can. All right, then. Uh, two more. Overall, 83. So our second high, our third highest ranked player behind Kane or Son. Pace, 60. It's pretty slow. Shot, 71. Pass 76, dribble 76, defence 81, physicality 83. It's weird that, that their overall is 83, but none of the other scores are at least 83. That's Hoy- yeah. That's got to be Hoybier. You agree, Jack? Yeah, I would have. I would have said. I don't know. I'm just trying to think just for the fun of the pop. I don't know who else logically that could be just with the overall rating. But I thought, like, could that be Dyer? But then I was like, he ain't going to be rated 83, is he? No, um, it's got to be Hoiberg. Yeah, Hoiberg. I'm not going to do dies at 79. Our the uh, the worst score on any of them is we've got Jack Clark defense 25, which I think's you know we don't know anything about Jack Clark. Um, Rodon's pace at 58 is pretty slow, and his shot is at That's 29. Harsh, isn't it? <laughs> it's his shot <laughs> for a young man. All right, last one. So overall 81. Pace 71, shot 77, pass 77, dribble 81, defence 68, physicality 78. This is a tough one. Sorry, I stopped listening because <laughs> I um, listener. there's something here saying that Jaffet Tanganga has been taken into police custody over a gambling issue. Oh. Why would you be taken into police custody? Okay, it's illegal, isn't it? For Yeah, but custody yeah you wouldn't be like arrested and taken in would you for that you'd be and then i saw something else because the first thing i saw was someone saying anyone has anyone actually got confirmation on the tenganga story or is everyone just seeing that one dodgy link and spreading a rumor yeah so yeah i mean i'm not anyway sorry can you say the numbers again please sorry everyone Uh, yeah sorry uh overall 81 page 71 Shot 77, pass 77, dribble 81, defence 68, physicality 78. Ooh. 
Mm, tricky one. I'm telling um, you, the physicality. I thought it might be Lo Celso, but that, there's no way Lo Celso is that physicality. Yeah, it's not Lo Celso, and he's lower on physicality. Yeah, no, no, it was not him. I know it's not him. Jack, I'm coming to you. You're currently uh, three two up. I I just by who we've already picked and players we've ruled out. It's got to be Ndombele, no? Chris. Well, I've got to take a punt here because yeah. I'm going to lose anyway. I'm going to go Delhi. Last minute equaliser. Yes! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Delhi Vangelis strikes again, yeah, eh? Stevie B's down at totally ranked at 80, pace 85, shot 78, um, defence 39, dragging him down, which I think is incredibly harsh. Um Winks is done at 77. Brian's at 76, which is exciting. But yeah. what if they, if they rated Jaffet at 73, was it? What did they rate Doherty? <laughs> Good point. I think I might have deleted him. I don't. I don't it must be about 45, no? I don't even have him on here. Oh, yeah, I missed him out. Bergvide has got a little touch of the Paul Skulls about him when he's trying to defend, though. He <laughs> does look like he could like just kick someone yeah. in his attempts to defend. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I'm I'm fuming that FIFA is. I think it's minimum fifty quid out there, and like people haven't got any money, and everything's just getting more expensive. That doesn't need to get like FIFA could be free. They make so much cash out of Unreal Tournament or whatever it's called, Ultimate Tournament. I don't know. I don't play it. Like it makes me so angry. Like FIFA um, FIFA want a billion dollars off them every four years for using the FIFA name because they know how much money they make, and it's gambling for kids. I'm really against it because and that's why pro evo has gone free this year like it's free because they know it's like a gambling ad like i don't know how what more a company has to do to tell you how much they're taking advantage of you if they just say like we'll give you free money and then if you lose we'll give you more free money you know i just it's 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 bad fifa like i love playing it but i don't i'm not a player but my nephews play it yeah and like What's really the difference between the one I bought them last year for 60 quid and then this one for Christmas for that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, unless they specifically ask for it, I'm not going to buy it for them because what's the point? Yeah. But I, mean, I know that's kind of proper old lady logic, but you know. I mean, that is the business model, but it, it's, yeah, it's it's a bit of a disappointment really. But whatever. <laughs> what if? Cool. Well, look, big week, big week ahead as always. Let's hope we can get a victory at West Ham at the weekend, eh? Um, yeah. Remember, whatever does happen, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman.
We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.